and so we started to develop our CBD business uh, along with vegan food and infusing CBD inside of sweets, uh, inf infusing CBD inside of our drinks. happy to have you on again and you're the first person I've had on the same month twice. It's an honor. Now we finished with sharing because you're in sharing, you're working in sharing and you moved up to a nice position where the, the head of sharing actually had you in an office next, your office was next to his. Yeah. You were taking care of mergers and acquisitions, you were doing uh, all kinds of things with them. Mm -hmm. So take us from there, where were you going? Up there? Okay so yeah, so I, I uh, was there in the office connected with strategic planning and acquisitions and all that stuff and I was attached to the president. We worked on a bunch of stuff. The biggest thing there was the restructuring of the sales and marketing organization. I might have mentioned that in the last podcast, but they gave me full control over, you know, I was working with Boston Consulting. They were great guys. Great training for me too at that mm -hmm. time, being a young guy. And uh, How old were you while you were doing all this? You were in your 20s still? Yeah, my 20s, my okay. late 20s, yeah. Wow. yeah. And you had a gaijin apartment and everything? Yeah, they, tra they treated me nicely. They said when I, they had given the contract to me and uh, they ended up making it better. I think I mentioned it the last time. Ended up actually making it better than, uh, than, they, had, than they had initially offered to you me. So when I arrived, they said, you know, we're gonna give you housing, gonna give you some other things. So they were good to me, they were. Mm. It was a good relationship, I, I think. Uh, they. They needed someone with my background, I guess, and they, I also needed to work for a company like that. It was good, it mm. was good. So sharing, I, I did a lot of pro projects there. We did uh, this big restructuring program and we, we acquired some other products and we ran the board and we did trademarks and, and uh, patents and things like that. And then one day, one of the projects we were working on was the acquisition of a company called Medrad uh, you were in the scanner business, so you know that they Medrad invented the angiographic injectors and the injectors for CT. So I didn't know that. when they no. put the you know the ones that inject the, what they, a lot of people the call dye. a dye, the dye, a lot right, of people right, call right. a dye. It's contrast media. Right. So sharing was very big in contrast media, and so they wanted to uh, vertically integrate with uh, injector injection Did systems. Ever, just curious because you you hadn't dealt with medical. You were you were getting ready to go actually into the to the. Um, you were getting into the medical field because you were thinking about becoming a psychiatrist. Psychologist, yeah. Psychologist, yeah, yeah. right? And you came over here and worked at a psych psychiatric clinic yep. in Mitaka. Yeah. Did you ever go to the RSNA? Yeah, how many times? You went to the RSNA? I went to the RSNA every year for many, many years. Well, the, the, well let me see. The time I was going was in the 80s yep. and up till the 90s. You would have seen me because I'd be the only black guy. <laughs> the only I guess black so. Guy. I mean, no, I was, I, somehow we kind of just we had we kind of just passed in the night. McCormick you know? Hall, yeah, of is course. Where they had it so RSNA for those of you who don't know, Radio is the Society of, of North, North America, America right? right? So it's the biggest. I think it's the biggest. Don't in know the world. if it is still, but the biggest conference they have in Chicago, right? The biggest. No, the event. biggest in the world, I thought. Oh, for radiology, but I think it's even one of the bigger events that they have in Chicago. Almost definitely, because they use those two, McCormick Place, right? Yeah, McCormick. McCormick Hall. And those escalators go up and down forever. Yeah, and you just walk for miles and miles in the place. Right, 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 right. And all the companies. And that progressed, right? At first it was a little smaller. That's right. And then each there was this rive where, you know, GE had their giant booth. That's right. Toshiba had their giant Philips and all these guys had these booths. So. Right. That was good. Uh, and then you had all the people in between, the third parties like us, right. who were in between. And 
And the people there, all the bigger people knew me. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I was the only, mine said Lance Ely, Tokyo. And people go, what? <coughs> <coughs> I, I used to joke with people and say the first day when we'd register and everything, we'd be going up the escalator and I'd always bring one person with me and Japanese mm -hmm. and they'd be coming down and all these guys, all white of course, are looking and the next day they'd have on neck braces from trying to look at <laughs> my name card so, from Japan. So <laughs> I didn't realize, I mean I, I didn't realize it was such a white industry at the time, but I guess, I guess I guess white. it was. I oh guess yeah, was. that's why, yeah. yeah. People go there and feel really relaxed. When they saw me, they were going, look. Yeah. Unless the guys, I saw maybe one or two that worked for some of the third parties in the back, you know, they really weren't, they weren't in front. I was yeah. the only guy. And then I'm coming from Japan. Yeah. That made a big difference. Well, that, I mean, for me too, so Japan ended up being, I don't know today, because I've been out of the industry for a while, but ended up being the com country with the most scanners per capita, That's right? right. That so, was right. That's the, right. you know, CT and MR scanners. So the company that I, that we worked on acquiring was called Medra. They're based in Pittsburgh. So we, eventually we acquired them. And the, there was a big contrast media business in Japan for sharing uh, the dyes again, contrast media. So we acquired this company in big part for Japan because Japan, there was a rival company called Nemoto Kyorindo who had uh, started to copy injectors initially. And so we, and they were, they were progressing. Anyway, they had, what they had done was they had worked with the Japanese contrast media company and they had put the contrast in a syringe, in a pre-filled syringe. And in Japan, only in Japan, they were selling the syringe that fit this other guy's injector, right? So we acquired this company uh, that worldwide was the absolute leader of contrast media injectors, Medred, fantastic company. So that is the place where the president there, at first was a guy named Tom Whitmer, and then John Friel was the president uh, of Medred. Uh, and I loved that company. They were really nice guys, based in Pittsburgh, so I felt an affinity. I'm from further from Pittsburgh, but still, uh, versus the German company sure. that I was working in. And at that time, you know, I did a lot of stuff in the, in the office of the, the president there. But at that time, after we acquired them, the Medred guys started coming to me and say, Mike, you want to run the business here? So we had this plan. To, we put together the plan for implementing in Japan. Uh, we had, at that time, they just had a distributor who wasn't doing that, that well. He was doing okay. Uh, so we put together this plan to actually go direct in Japan. And then they came to me and said, Mike, do you want to run this business? And I said, well, you, not really. Uh, you know, I mean, I like you guys, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the mothership, you know. Right. So meanwhile, the president in sharing, uh, Jörg Grauman, who was a great guy, he a uh, very strong-handed strong guy. So he taught me what to do, but he also had some behaviors that I thought were not the best. But he taught me both. But one thing that guy was great at he was a little bit aggressive about it. One thing I thought he was great at was he could, he could have a presentation made and he could just pick the spot to check whether it was a valid presentation and what the people were presenting was real, was real or was just kind of, kind of they were just trying to get it passed through on a, on a board meeting, for example. And uh, I used to say he'd stick his finger and pull it out and kind of smell it and see, see if it was okay, you know. And he could be pretty vicious sometimes, but he had a great skill in, in being able to do this. He, he kind of ruled with an iron fist, which is not my style, uh, but I learned a lot from him. So I had worked well with him. A lot of guys fell under him. Like a lot of guys fell because they, 
they, you know, they took the fall for some things or they uh, didn't, didn't manage to get through. But I, I kind of stayed and we, ha we got along well. And one day he said, you know, Mike, I want to move for your next position. I think we should start thinking about maybe Taiwan or Thailand to go run the business there. So I'm talking with them about going to run, you know, from the mothership in a pharmaceutical company, going to run and become the president of a company. I'm in my early 30s now, right? Not married? Still single? Uh, no, I did get married. My first marriage. I, okay. I, we didn't really talk in the last. I, I've right. been married. I'm married a second time now right. okay. to the love of my life. I mean, I have okay, a fantastic right. marriage. Right. Uh, my first marriage was a little rocky. Uh, I have two kids from the marriage who right. uh, I love from afar. Uh, and uh, would love to, if you guys wa ever watch this podcast, I would love to see you guys more. Oh, um, but uh, two girls? Two girls, yeah. Okay. And uh, one is working at uh, Amazon, and the other one is a music virtuoso and is in NYU. Amazing, amazing. Both of them are amazing. Uh, so I found the love of my life after, after I uh, got divorced and I had some time. Uh, and I'm with her, Mickey, uh, just... She's been and so you have supportive. A child now too, don't no, you? we don't have a child. No, children. no, no, okay. no children. Okay. So anyway, uh, where were we? When I start so talking about my so wife, talk, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I get so really happy. Yeah, I can, I she's, can she's very, uh, she's very that's supportive. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I think uh, that's true. Every man needs a woman. So, so, really so oh yeah, okay. So they, they were talking about sending me to Taiwan, right. or to Thailand, and uh, that was to exciting. Start, to start up there? No, to to take on the role. They're already there. They're they're already there. But, you know, it means growing the business. And in those days, it's growing it more, right? That's Taiwan in the, you know, 90s, right. Th Thailand in the 90s. So uh, these guys from Medrag come to me and go, well, Mike, what do you think? How do you want to join me? So I kind of, they kind of recording me like, Mike, we really think you'd be a great fit for this. <clears throat> so I thought, okay, you know, maybe I would like to do that. So I go to the president of Sharing and I, I kind of sheepishly go to talk with him. I said, you know, these guys are kind of asking me to do this, and uh, I'm kind of thinking about it. And wait, wait, this is leaving Sharon. Well, I wasn't leaving yet. He, he's, he's, good, he's trying to get me a position in I one of these that, places. I but these guys want you to work with them. Yeah, so but it's this, still part of the group. Media. We acquired them. We acquired them. But you'd be part of the group, but not the mothership. Right, not the mothership. Right, so it's really like another company taking you. Right, it's like another company That's taking it. me, but it's still part of the Within team. The company, right. But it's going to a subsidiary. So I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, I like these guys. I love the philosophy that they had on how to do business, which I'll talk a little bit about in, in a couple minutes. But so I went to Mr. Grauman, who I got along well with. And I said, you know, they've been courting me for a while. And I know you're looking for the right position for me now, but I'm kind of thinking of this. And he just looked at me. You might have to bleep this out. And he just looked at me and goes, are you fucking crazy? You know, that's all he said to me. And so I kind of sheepishly walked away. <laughs> because is he, is he is your father's age? Was he your father's age or younger than your father? Maybe? Uh, he was know, probably a little younger than my father. Do you know, do you still have, are you still in contact? No, we're him? not in contact. Okay. Uh, so you don't know if he's still We're not in contact, no. I would love, love to see him if he's still sure. around. So I walked away and uh, I, consider it for a little longer and over time I kind of went back because we did get along well and I kind of went back and said you know I'm really thinking about this but I'm not going to go unless you endorse me I'm not going to leave unless you 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 say that it was your decision basically because you know the politics of the company and uh, 
I also wanted him, to, I was respectful of him because he had really taken care of me over the years. So uh, one, fast forward, I decided to go and he, he said, okay, if you really, if that's really what you want to do, I think you're nuts. If you really, but if that's really what you want to do, I'm going to endorse you. I'm going to. Did I'm he gonna. give you any reasons why he thought that wasn't a good decision? Well, you're in the mothership. I'm going, you're going to be the president of another company somewhere, and you have the chance to move move up in the ranks. You know. So, but moving up in the ranks was not. It's not. It's never been about moving up in the ranks for me. My whole philosophy on how to do business is just do better today than you did yesterday. Make something better. Make something. You know. Fix whatever was broken make it better so that you can look back and say, well, yesterday was better than the day before, and today is better than, than that. I so like that, that leads to growing, to, to moving up, right? I'd like to interject what you said at the beginning, yeah. too, the reason why you didn't go with Toyota versus sharing. You like the people at sharing. Yeah, that's right. It's about who you're working with. That's not right. so much how big the It's not that I dislike the Toyota I'm guys, no, but you didn't I, know I, them. I didn't you know them. You didn't know them, but right. they, didn't, they also didn't do what they said they were going to do took forever. Right. That's right. If they'd been the first, you probably would have taken a chance with that's them. True. That's true. That's true. That's true. But they did not do that. So no. all those in place. But you, you strike me as a person that's really people-oriented. If it's the right type of people, yeah. if you get along with them, that'll trump money any day. It's true. You know, basically. It, it's true. But, I mean, money comes, too, with that. It, it does. If, if, if you're with you, the right people, If you work hard and you work with the right people, it's all about trust, right? So. When I was working at Sharing, it was all about trust. When I was working at Medrad, so these guys, so now you're in a smaller company. When I joined them, I think they had like 500 people it was, or 900 people. It wasn't very big. And over time, went to thousands. Uh, and not in Japan, but in worldwide. And when I joined, when I started the company here uh, with a guy named John Tedeschi, who was also, he's a good friend and a mentor. Um, he was representing Medrad here before I took over. And so I helped them get everything set up, set up the company and everything. And then they asked me to move over. So John said, Mike, I'd like you to come. So I came over. And the, the thing about Medrad was that they had a philosophy, which I still use today, a lot of the things I learned there. You know, five corporate goals about achieving the financials, growing the company, satisfying your customers, satisfying your employees. Uh, and uh, what's the one that I missed? You know where that all came from. That was from Jack Welsh. From Jack Welsh, that's right. But Jack Welsh, I'm not sure he he implemented. He didn't. He didn't. He, he, he wasn't. He new. fired a lot of guys. It wasn't. New. That's <laughs> what he was. He came in and cleaned house. Yeah, but these guys actually implemented. And the guy okay. Tom Whitmer was there before, and then John Friel. So John Friel, amazing leader, and he just drove those objectives. And the thing that was great about the company was that. If the company succeeded, he also succeeded. But if the company didn't make the goals, he didn't walk away with his big bonus while the other guys didn't get what they, what, you know, what they were tied to for their bonuses. He was part of the team. I learned that from him and the other guys in, in Medrad. So when I set up in, in Japan, we had a time where we, we did well, but we had a, a year, I remember, or a couple years where it was, it was tough. You know, we had the biggest competition in the world was here. So these guys in America were like, well, it's so easy to sell our products. What's wrong? You know, and we're like, well, you know, give me a pre-filled syringe like these guys have, an adapter to make it happen, you know, this kind of thing. So we had a lot of, a lot of pushing and pulling with, with the head office, which you hear from everybody in Japan, right, about quality, about all these other things. Especially these international companies, yes. With all the international companies, you hear it all the time because they have a hard time trying to convince everybody what it's like here. That's right. Because it's 
it's not like anywhere else. No, the quality, so a little bit of a tangent, the quality yes. issues, you know, they, so we had these syringes, empty syringes. Eventually it got into being able to handle prefilts, but we had these empty syringes, which were made in the U.S. A very, very hot, state-of-the-art factory was making these things. And they're made by plastic, and when you, when you run plastic that's run in a, in a tube, it's like a, a, a bar of plastic that goes into this machine and extrudes the syringe. And at the end, they have a little flash as the, as the, as the bar ends. It's a little flash, and that can cause a very small speck that's white or black on the syringe. It doesn't harm the integrity of the syringe. No one in the entire world noticed it except the Japanese doctors, right? So we would say, and it was becoming a real issue, like they were returning them and then they didn't want to buy them and the competition was using that against us. So finally we, we went to the, the head office and they did not recognize the quality issues. And these are the kind of things we had to fight for. Uh, you said they did not? They did, they did. They, did they, recognize were, they recognized that as an issue eventually because they wanted Japan was on the radar to grow. So they put in double inspection. They had people looking at each syringe for Japan. The other countries didn't care, but for Japan, they, it was a visual inspection. They put it in front of a black, uh, you know, a black piece of paper and then a white piece of paper to see if there was a black or white spot on there, right? Anyway, so yeah, so that was a great company. And I learned a lot about what to do there. And uh, in Japan too, there was a time where we didn't do well is what I was gonna say. We didn't do well in a year and we had our bonuses were tied to some other objectives where we were gonna get some decent bonuses and our sales guys weren't. And to tell you how I was managing the team and what a great team I had, we came together and we had a, we had a management meeting and we all decided together that we weren't gonna take our bonuses. None of us, none of us took our bonuses here. The whole, even, even the guys in Medra, they thought we were crazy. They're like, you guys earned it, you know? And we said, well, we can't take that. How are people gonna follow us if we, if we do that? And that, you know, that's kind of how we, we manage the team. And it was good. So I did that. I was in sharing, bear, uh, along the way, Bear, or Buyer, a lot of people call, acquired sharing, which meant they acquired Medrad, right? So I was working as the president of Medrad in total 14 years, and I was with sharing and, and Bear, the group, for about 20. Um, and the uh, in total in total in okay. total from the beginning, from to, the beginning to, to the end, end. okay so, it's all uh, so buyer acquires the whole thing and i remember the president of buyer from from germany he did a presentation it was in in florida actually for the management team he says we've we've acquired this company called sharing and we knew sharing was good but you know sometimes when you look at something, you discover that there was actually a pearl inside that you didn't know about, and that was Medrad. They said they loved Medrad because Medrad had it was doing really well worldwide. So, yeah, so I, I became the head of radiology at Bayer, and I was still running Sharing, the, the, which they still have, uh, sorry, still running Medrad. Um, and they, yeah, things went well, and I was on the management team there with Bayer. Uh, and as time went on, I just decided that it was, I started taking stock of everything that was going on. I was making good money. Uh, I had a built a really good team and we were doing well. We had our times, you know, trying to get through the Japanese market, but we were successful. And then I started thinking, what do I want to do next? So I started at the, as a president of Medrad in my early mid thirties. Uh, and now I'm in my forties and I'm thinking, what do I really want to do? You know? 
and I started taking stock. Again, you remember, you'll recall that when I came out of, out of college, I was thinking to be a psychologist. I took mm. some time off and I thought about what to do and ended mm. up getting my MBA. Well, it's kind of a similar thing. It's just that I didn't take any time off, but it was just kind of a similar thing. What do I really want to do? But you, you plan know, on staying in Japan? Plan on staying in Japan. Okay. What do I really want to do? Where do I really want to go? What do I, so, and what I realized is that the building of the team and the journey of making all this happen was what was so satisfying. Of course, achieving those goals and making the money, that was also satisfying. But the building of the team, <clears throat> learning new stuff. You know, I became an expert in radiology. I became an expert in, in you know, in uh, flow of, of contrast media. You know, you, you get all this information about, you know, why, you know, you're looking at all these graphs of how things flow. And it's very important that things flow evenly when you have an injector, right? You don't want it to look like this on a graph. Right. You want it to look like this, the flow. Right. Just all this kind of stuff. And I learned about sales and marketing and finance and all the things, starting a company and all the HR rules and all the stuff you learn. So I decided that the journey was really what I liked. And I liked building. I liked being creative. And it started to get less of that. You know, the bigger the company gets and, you know, we were integrated into Bear and it just became more and more, uh, let me call it top management stuff and less about building, more about, you know, positioning and making decisions and things. Still doing a lot of good stuff, but, and working with a lot of good people. There were a lot of good people in Bear too. But I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, I needed to move on. So I started putting this plan together and saying, okay, what are the things that I don't know about? I need to learn some new stuff. What you don't know about where? In the medical field? Well, just in general. Just what are the general. things that I, that I, going forward. Is that how you got into the green tea? To the it, it is how I got into matcha, but matcha, I'll get matcha, there. Right. Matcha was just the beginning. Um, but the one thing that I realized, and this is early on with the, with the net, with the internet, uh, I realized I didn't really know anything about how the internet worked as far as like how do you sell product on the internet, how do you do things on the internet. And then I was looking for, obviously, for a, an area that's going to grow, right? You know, what's the next thing? So at that time, Japan was talking about uh, engaging in medical tourism. So for those of you who don't know, or Lance, you might know or not know, but medical tourism is when you cross borders to go for a medical procedure, either because it's unavailable in your country, it's cheaper, or it has faster access, right? So people will go for a scan somewhere, like in, I don't know how it is now, but like in the UK or in Australia, you have to wait a while for a scan, get one really easy in Japan, so people can come to Japan, and it's cheaper too. So the government here was saying, we're gonna support that, we wanna grow that business. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna embark, and, I, and that, so that's related, right? Medical is related. Internet unrelated. I never did anything on the net before. So I decided that I was going to make a company and the company was going to work in medical tourism and it was going to be based on the net. So we started a company. I started by myself. Well, I had two guys that kind of helped me, some two young guys out in Sapporo. And uh, I started the company and we set up a web platform for people to get healthcare procedures in one of five countries. So it was Japan, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, or Korea. And the reason I had these other countries is because Japan was in its infan infancy with medical tourism, but Thailand, they were already way on along, and Singapore. And Malaysia was way ahead of Japan and up and coming. Malaysia actually now too is, is huge. Korea, of course, for beauty procedures. Mm -hmm. Started traveling to all these different countries, 
you know, I learned how to, we got this, I had some guys that could do some good IT stuff and we were going through, you know, how to set up the user interfaces and all this stuff. And it's, it was a lot harder then. There's, it's a lot easier to set up a website now. So we put all that stuff together. Then I started going and like cold calling doctors in Korea, in Malaysia, in Singapore. Remember, I had run, I don't know if I mentioned it, but when I was running, oh yeah, when I was running Medrad, uh, for, the, for many years I was ahead of Asia, not just Japan. So you, so, you had contacts. So I had, you had, some, I had contacts, and, and it, if nothing else, I had a cultural affinity. I could go and, and I knew how to act and behave in these different countries. So I really cold called. I just call up a place and say, I understand you're doing medical tourism. I'd like to come and talk with you. And I'd say, you know, we're a Japan-based medical tourism business where there were none. There were some others, you know, in other countries, but there were none for Japan. So they all took an interest. So I started getting, you know, some of the big hospitals signing up with me. And they would actually pay to be on the site. And then we would introduce people and we would get uh, a fee from the hospital overseas. Japan, you couldn't get a fee. There's some structural things we had to do, but we, we got paid uh, through by, promote, by promoting them or listing them. So we had, I don't know, I don't remember how many, maybe 50 hospitals, something like that on there. And people were starting to contact us, you know, and we, we'd introduce them. They want to get an operation somewhere or, and Japan being great in like uh, some cancer procedures or scanning or med uh, health checkups. So cheap here, right, for a health checkup. I mean, people overseas, you guys wouldn't believe for like 300 bucks, That's right. 300 full bucks out of your full pocket, checkup. not insurance, That's right. $300 full checkup with a CT scan, everything. So even today. So uh, we started doing that. And within one year, I, I really studied hard on, on the medical tourism. So the first year I went to Malaysia and I attended a medical tourism conference there. The second year I was presenting in Malaysia for the medical tourism conference. Uh, conference because I had learned a lot and I, now we had a, a plan and you know I was able to say so this is what we're doing and here's how I see Japan and this kind of thing which was cool so I got to meet a lot of different people and we, we worked on that and over time we were making some money but it's a it's an arduous journey right you know you got to I, I think I bit off a little more than I could chew so fast forward David who I was hoping would be in this podcast who's my business partner now uh, David had joined the company somewhere along the way. Uh, maybe, I think we had already focused on Japan. So we decided to focus on Japan instead of these other countries. I thought he was a recent hire. He's been no, with he's you been for with a me for a while, yeah. yeah. And, and just, did he, when he, his first job in Japan, was it with your company? Yeah, yeah. Did he, did he come in on that intern? He came in oh. as an intern from Kansai Gaidai. Uh, one of the professors there, who's a friend of mine, introduced him. Because you told him you were looking for people. Well, for a, no, actually, uh, they were working on a project, a medical-related project in the university, and they wanted to talk with me. But David was like, oh, I, I want to work with you, you know. I want an internship. So, and the professor, he had told me that this was the, the best student he ever had. David, if you're listening, I tend to differ. Uh, no, no, he's a great guy. Super smart guy. guy. Super is. smart guy. And uh, maybe you can get him on sometime. But he, uh, he and I, he's, he's 30, in his 30s now, mid-30s. Uh, and he became a partner in the company over time. Uh, so we worked together. But anyway, around the time that he came in, we had just decided we're going to focus only on Japan. 
So we were doing all hospitals and we decided we're gonna focus on Japan, but we're gonna extend it to wellness, more wellness things too. So we started, again, I mean, it was cold calling, you know. I'd walk in, imagine Lance, we had nothing but a one page, we're gonna do this website kind of thing. Uh, really, at the, in the beginning. So I was walking around in these streets that you can see here. I was walking around and I was looking up doctors. Some doctors that foreigners had been going to and knock on the door. A lot of them don't wanna give you the time of day. My, my history with Medrad and, and Bear, that was helpful because they, when I would finally get my foot in the door, I could say, well, I, you know, I have been in the industry. And they do their, they do their due <coughs> diligence, find out, and the next time you came in, you were good to go. Exactly, exactly. That's so we started building that, <laughs> and we started going to like gyms and spas, like Club 360, which is close to here, and some other guys, um, and Pilates studios and things like that. So we built this, it was all in English at the time. We built this website that was focused on Japan. It was called Healthy I Am. We've changed since to Healthy Tokyo. It's called Healthy I Am. And it was a platform you could go on and you could, we, you could find, uh, you'd search, okay, I want a gym. And then you could find a couple gyms and then you could find out what it costs and we would introduce you to the gym or you could go directly. Uh, you needed a doctor's appointment, we would make an appointment for you. Is it still on your platform? No, is it still no, you no. Stopped we stopped this. That. So we did that for, for a number of years. And when David came on, we, he also has an IT background. So uh, he helped to hone it and really, really make it make it good uh, so as we're doing this and we're working with health and wellness places uh, we start thinking well how can we take this platform to the next level and we we said okay well how about we start selling some products we have a following decent following of people how about we start selling some stuff so we started looking around in the meantime we changed the name to healthy Tokyo along the way because healthy I am nobody knew what the hell that was right it was supposed to be healthy I am right but right, it was, of course but, but you're trying to be trying to play off the Japanese way of doing things right so so we went to healthy Tokyo you know we changed to healthy Tokyo and uh, we started selling product well where do we get product well we started again talking with people uh, and by showing that we could we were getting really good at SEO we were the number one in English number one for Viagra in Japan you if you search Viagra for if you well? search for Viagra, no, but we would introduce you to a doctor that could sell Viagra, uh, right? Uh, just as an example. So just, he just knew how to do SEO. He was he's very good at SEO. Right. And we also had a, we David and I we found a guy out in Silicon Valley who was an SEO guru, and he taught us a lot in the early days about how to do all this stuff. We sat with him every week for for probably a year, every almost every week we'd have a meeting with him. And he'd go through and he'd give us more instruction about how to do things. And we kind of internalized that. Is, do you find that to still be important today? Oh, yeah. I mean, things have changed, but the basics haven't changed very much. Okay. Um, so we start selling product. And like uh, the other one was like protein, you know, whey protein in Japan. We were like number one or number two when you were searching on the net in English, not in Japanese. So any foreigner coming here or, or people traveling here, they needed Viagra, or they needed protein, or they needed a doctor's appointment, they would be contacting us. So this platform of selling stuff started to grow, and we got, uh, we, we talked to a company uh, that was dealing with um, additive-free foods, and Japanese company, and they said, well, can you put all of our products on your website in English? which was a massive undertaking. And they paid us well for it, and we, we did that. And some of them sold great, some of them not so, so great. Like we had Osechi Nyori, you know, right. the New Year's box, for people that don't know. Uh, this beautiful box of food that you would get that costs a lot of money. These guys 
were selling those. And we had that like promoted in English, you know. And we had people buying it, you know. Uh, and by the time we we peaked with the number of products, we had over a thousand products. So there, so you had you had an online shop. Basically. Online shop, so and we drop ship. It right there. You could drop ship. Drop right? ship. Right. We didn't touch the products at that to. time. Right. But over time, then we said, you know, we need to make our own product. And that's where matcha came matcha in. Matcha came in, right. So I uh, happened, you know, we would go to the shows, all these different shows, and we were at one place, and I, I met this woman named Yasko, Yasko-san. And Yasko-san is single-handedly responsible for bringing matcha to the U.S. I mean, this woman is a powerhouse. I still, we still get together from time to time, and her husband, her husband's actually a Philadelphia Eagles fan, so he, kn he knows more about the Eagles than I do, and I grew up there, you know. Uh, so... We, which happened to be green, just like her matcha, right? So uh, she, we, we hit it off, and she said, I can, I can do matcha for you. So we developed the Healthy Tokyo matcha brand, and we started doing that. So we had this whole section. So our first foray into doing our own product. And this whole section about matcha, what, where does matcha come from, how to use matcha, how do, you, how do you make matcha. Then we had all these recipes. We had videos on how to do matcha and this and that. And one day, NHK calls me up and says, would you like to be on, on our morning show to talk about matcha? And you were there. And so there I was, uh, on Asaichi is the name of the show. Doing it all in Japanese. Doing it all in Japanese, it. yeah. All in Japanese. And then the woman with you from Canada couldn't speak any English. Right, so Norma, so, who's a friend of, Norma, of, of ours. She uh, did, the, she did the, um, the mix, the recipe, right. which included the matcha. Right. She mixed that. Right. And you were doing everything in Japanese. Yeah. You were just blowing them away. Yeah. And the kid there, that was interviewing you. Um, the black kid, by the way, is extremely tall. Oh yeah, that guy. He's a really tall guy. Doesn't speak English. No, he grew up in Japan. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> this guy doesn't. He's one of those kids that. Well, he's so just, tall, you know. He I mean, is very tall. God, he's six what four or something. No, I don't know. He was, three. he was towering he's over really, me. Yeah, yeah, he was very yeah. tall, and plus with the fro on his head too, yeah. didn't make him look any shorter. Well, I mean, he definitely, you know, Japan, Japanese. TV likes, you know. Well, it depends they, on what they're they doing. Like, they like you, talents the that look Spectre, a little different. This, yeah. You want to have some of that. But then you also have your Kent Gilberts, who yeah. refused to. Yeah. And he's just suit, suited down, serious all the time, yeah. lawyer. Yeah. So you have a few like that. And they had a couple other foreigners. There was Kent Beautiful. Delicate. Kent Delicate, Delicate was yeah. also the Another kind guy, yeah. of, um, you know, you could see him yeah. coming. Yeah. But they had a couple other guys, I forget their names, and they didn't last long on there, but the Japanese was good and they were very serious. Yeah, two no, or three guys. I remember there seeing. were a couple guys. There. Most yeah. of them were more, you know, flamboyant. flamboyant. That's the word. More flamboyant. Right. Remember the guy in the morning? What was his name? Wiki or something? Wiki, Wiki, yeah, yeah. Um, Hi, Wiki. This uh, in the morning, like you know, he'd, he'd walk stand, around the street and get no. He no, he'd stand in front of different train stations. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And when the people come and say Wiki, this, yeah. and he'd ask them a question or say something, yeah. and they would all see him. He was Sri Lankan, I think. Sri Lankan. I think Sri Lankan. Yes. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, being put on a pedestal or being looked down upon in Japan. One or the other, yeah. You know, uh, that's kind of, you know, I, I don't want to call it, you know, the monkey talent, but it's kind of <laughs> like we're, we're kind of like on TV, people on TV, foreigners who could speak Japanese. You're a curiosity. You're a curiosity. You become, you know, a, curiosity, become a curiosity. Unless you learn to do it right, and that's why I'm saying it's very important. That's why yeah. I refuse to ever get on TV. They asked me several times yeah. to come on. I'm not going to go on Ego de Osobo. Yeah. I'm not going to be your aerobic teacher. I'm not going to do your newscasting, which isn't real, the yeah. way they wanted me to do it. Yeah. I said I refuse to. If yeah. it's serious, I don't mind. If you want to ask me about what I'm doing, I didn't want to tell anyone I was doing the scanner business. Mm -hmm. I didn't want any competition. 
Well, the NHK thing though was serious, right? So this was very serious. Yeah, you and, didn't, and you didn't kind of <clears> that was that was all about all about. So NHK they have a policy where they don't list any company names, right? But everybody knew, so that helped us a lot. Uh, and it was an interesting experience preparing for that and meeting all the people, and you know, it was cool. It was cool. It was your first time doing TV in Japan. Um, I was actually we have I mean basically yeah okay. I mean I was I was on a couple of different things very short you know mm-hmm. I was stopped one time on the street when I was I had my kid on my shoulders and my ex-wife was next to me and uh, it was Tante Night Scoop you know that show no well it's a it was like it was a kind of show where they would go someone would have a question they'd say like uh, I have a question what percentage of couples are happy okay. we'd like to know or uh, they'd have some other things like that. And these guys were like detectives and they would go and find out. They'd go back and had some other questions. So I don't remember what, that was kind of the question. So I'm walking down the street and this very famous guy comes running up to me. Hey, 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 do you speak Japanese? I go, yeah. And he goes, so I need to know on a scale, this is in Osaka, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your marriage in satisfaction? <laughs> was and this at a rocky time? Uh, well, yeah, it was always okay. rocky. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but... I said, I would give it a 9.5. And he goes, why don't you give it a 10? What is it? And I go, uh, well, you know, my wife's too good of a cook, so I can't, I can't uh, lose weight, you know. Right. And I was just trying to be kind to everybody. And uh, I got home, my wife was like, why didn't you give it a 10? Why didn't you give it a 10? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry, I should have given it a 10. But anyway, uh, interesting enough, about a year later, I'm walking in Kobe down the street, and uh, this woman comes running up to me with my daughter. This woman comes running up, and she goes, you were on Tante Night Scoop, right? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I was. And she goes, I, my mother and I saw your daughter, and she looked just like I did when I was a little kid. And we wrote to Tante Night Scoop to go find you, you know, to go on a search to find the guy that they had ca- gotten on the street. Never happened, but it just shows you the power of, right. of it just, a, it was just a small, small, small clip. And I've been on some news, very short news things, but yeah, in general, that was the long one. The NHK was a long time. Mm. So anyway, so then we, we, we got over a thousand products in, that, in uh, Healthy Tokyo, and we're moving forward with, with this. And we have our matcha. We start doing matcha and learning how to make it and learning how to brand and learning our own brand. Uh, and then we said, well, you know, there are a couple other things people are wanting, like a vegan ice cream. So we import an ice cream. Do never import frozen food. <laughs> uh, no, it, you can import frozen food, but it doesn't work out. But you it's very hard. You have to you have to have a pretty big, uh, a pretty big platform of people wanting it before you import it. Because you can't keep it long. Yeah. Though. So, but it was a great product. Uh, Arctic Zero is the name of the product. Great product. They should come back to Japan. I, I told the, the president there he should bring that back to Japan. Um, probably not through us. Uh, but anyway, uh, and then we had a cup of oatmeal that we put into natural loss in. We did some things like that. So we got to learn. It was a learning experience, you know, how to import product, how to brand product, how to deal with the convenience stores and all this other stuff. And one day, one of the projects we worked on, just because we were in the health and wellness, it's all about health and wellness. And one day, we get a call from someone uh, about creating a soup recipe. And we said, okay, we'll do it. It was someone who had some stuff in the airport in Haneda. And about a year after that, she called back and said, you know, I have a shop in Haneda available. 
would you like to open up a shop in Haneda Airport? So you know that's in Haneda is like, it, it varies, but it's, it's in the top 10 airports in the world, most busy, you know, five or six, four, five or six, something like that. I mean, it's really heavily trafficked airport. So we're like, well, what the hell are we gonna do for a shop? I mean, great idea to expose. Uh, at that time too, sorry, we got into CBD, which I'll talk, we'd just gotten into CBD. Um, which I'll talk about in a minute because that's our, one of our main things now. So we said, okay, we're going to do this. And uh, they wanted a, a restaurant. Uh, we really don't want to run a restaurant, but, well, we are dealing with a lot of healthy food and we are dealing with CBD oil, which I'll get back to in a minute. So, all right, let's open up a V. What's the, again, what's going to be the big thing and what's going to trend vegan food? So it fit to everything we do. We're all about health and wellness, you know, we're healthy foods, CBD oil. Uh, so we said, okay, we're going to open up a vegan restaurant in the, in the airport, vegan cafe. So we, through our website, we had a lot of restaurants, healthy restaurants, and one we had that was a vegan place. So I went to them and said, let's do this as a joint project. We'll do all the marketing. We'll bring our CBD in. You guys know how to run a restaurant. How about it? And they said, yeah, let's do it. I said, okay, we'll do it. Uh, share, share the money, share the profit, share everything. So we started working, planning all that. Seven weeks before the opening, uh, they call us up and go, we're not going to do it. How long had you been working on it? A year. One year and seven weeks before you were yeah. about to do it. You didn't, sense, you didn't sense this at all? No, not at all. They had some health issues and some other things that came up. And uh, anyway, I won't get into all the reasons, but they pulled out seven weeks before. They, they were supposed to provide the, the people, the food, that all, all that stuff. That had left you really hanging. Yeah, so we're hanging there, and there, David and I are sitting there going, okay, next challenge has just arrived, and okay. what are we going to do? So within seven weeks, we, ha we hired the people. We put together a bunch of recipes. Uh, I got a vegan baker that could deliver baked goods at the time. We do all our stuff now by ourselves, but... But you had uh, to go into your pocket to do this. Oh, yeah. Then there was the other, the other thing was the yeah. other half of the money. Did you go to the bank? Yeah, we went to the and bank. And they said, okay, okay. Yeah. So your, yep. plan, your plan was already set up well enough, and you had connections. Yeah. So without all of that, someone without all of that would have been flying back to wherever they came from. Well, it's easy to look back on it now and say, oh, that so, wasn't too hard, but it no, was no, hell. It was a, because you'd already built up a base. Yeah. Without that here, that's true. there's no way in the world. That's true. Trust, like you said, trust. Yeah. If you don't have that in Japan, and you can only get that with time, yeah. it doesn't come with how much money you have no, or who you were somewhere else. No. <laughs> you want to know what you've done here. No, that's right. That's and right. that's what you did. So we, there, there we are, right? So now we're seven weeks. So we opened. Now, to be honest, I mean, Healthy Tokyo, if you look on Google at the reviews of our food and our products, you're going to see we're very highly rated now. But when we started, I've, honestly, they we, beat you well, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. You know, we had a, <laughs> so we had a baker, vegan baker, and we were fully relying on them. And after three months, they went bankrupt. So now we're like, oh, shit, well, how, what are we going to do? Were you, the, were you their only client? Uh, they may have had some others, but they obviously didn't manage very well. So we, so then we're stuck with that, and we had to tap into other people we knew. And I went and talked with uh, David Cheeto. You might know him. He's over at 
in the Tyson group, T.Y. Harbor. He's the guy that basically, he's the, the guy that started, that created all their menus for all these restaurants. He's, he was integral to their, to their growth. He's still working with them to some degree. And I went to David, and he was a friend of mine, and I said, David, what do, you know, can you bake some stuff for us? Right, right, right. And he's like, Mike, we might be able to do it, but honestly, if you want your company to grow, you need to learn to do it yourself. So, <laughs> so we had a kitchen in Honda Airport, and we studied all these recipes, and you we hired somebody, and we okay. did it all ourselves. You yeah. did it too? You Not me. It? I mean, okay. I, I did. I've been, right. I'm, I'm a, again, creative creative mind. So, you know, I'm the idea guy. So I'm like, okay, we need the lasagna. Now, how to make a vegan lasagna, you're gonna, you guys are going to figure it out. When I tasted it, I could tell you that's not lasagna, so we've got to go back to the drawing board, that kind of thing. But we hired a really good chef, and uh, she's young. She, she was in her 20s, amazing, uh, and she just got it, and she's made, made the good, good products that we have today. So, again... Is she still with you? Still with us. She's our food director for Healthy Tokyo, yeah. Nice. So we're not all about food. I'll talk, talk about Healthy Tokyo okay. now. So we, so eventually, this whole platform for for medical tourism and health and wellness. We're always we're still about health and wellness, uh, but we one of the products we came across in 2015 was CBD oil. That was our next branded Healthy How'd Tokyo product. How did you come product. across that? <clears throat> we were working with some other people uh, that were importing hemp seeds and hemp protein. And uh, the president of that company came and said, I, I've got this stuff. It looks pretty good. And we said, okay, let's try it. It's legal, right? Of course. Yeah, it's legal. And uh, so we tried it. And we said, oh, this is going to be big. And uh, so we branded our own. And we also handled the, their products as well. Uh, and when we started, we had... So we had our Healthy Tokyo CBD oil, just one or two products in the beginning. And we had some other, which are now our com competitors in the market. Some of them are gone, but we had others that are our competitors. And we took on different companies' CBD products. And we were the first company in the world to sell CBD in an airport in the world. We also were the first fully vegan restaurant in any Japanese airport ever, first time. So we got a lot of fanfare, you know, a lot of people writing about us from both sides. And within, uh, within a short time, we won this uh, award uh, for food and beverage. It's, it's an award for food and beverage in the airports in the world. And we won the uh, best health and wellness offering in Asia Pacific. And then honorable mention for something else really good. But we were like award-winning in, in a fairly short time, which was really cool. Uh, and so we started to develop our CBD business uh, along with vegan food and infusing CBD inside of sweets, uh, inf infusing CBD inside of our drinks, and also offering vegan fare with some everything vegan, but nothing, some without non-infused products as well, non-infused drinks and non-infused lasagna and things like that. Uh, and we started really working, and this is a time where nobody's doing CBD, there's only like two or three companies at the time, so we really pioneered the market there. And we brought in more and more products, and now we have, you know, our SKUs, I think we have 40, 50 SKUs, you know. But anyway, SKU is each, each particular product, right? Okay. 
Um, so we went from there uh, and started building and really understanding because we had worked with other people's products too and we opened up in Haneda, we started learning what people wanted with CBD. And we also start, of course, online because we had already had an online shop. We still kept the medical business grow going for a while, but eventually we went full on with... Well, what was the medical business? Uh, the you medical, the... The, 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 the contrast? No, the, no, I'm sorry, the, the introduction services, the health and wellness oh, that, business. That we kept that for a while. Right. It was hard to get rid of because, first of all, a lot of people liked it. And second of all, we'd spent a lot of money on building all this, right? Now, did you sell it or you just stopped it? No, we just... It, we, it. You, we, it's still dormant. It's dormant. It's dormant. It dormant. We let yeah. it go dormant. Right. And uh, we cut all that information out of our website. We kept some of it, a little bit when it was related to the other things that we do, like healthy eating or exercise, things like that. Um, so we started growing our business, Healthy Tokyo. And we were the first CBD shop and, and first in, in the airport. And so we then decided, this is a good thing. Let's go open up our next one. So we opened up in downtown in, in Harajuku, uh, the Healthy Tokyo CBD shop and cafe in Harajuku. Small place and uh, got a lot of fanfare on that one too. And we have now become the largest uh, CBD retail company in Japan. So we have five shops now in Japan. Uh, Haneda Airport, Daikanyama, Harajuku. Uh, we just opened in Shinjuku, right under the Apple Store in Madui. And we have one in Edogawa, where we now have a central kitchen where we make all of our sweets and our foods and so forth. Um, not in the Haneda kitchen anymore. It's too small for all, all the business that we do. And we're opening up, I just got, was this week I was in Sapporo. Uh, we have a arrangement with Tokyo, and we're opening up in Suskino in their latest beautiful multi-purpose building with a Toho cinema and all this stuff. And we're on the first floor there with a with a shop as well. That's nice. Um, and Healthy Tokyo itself is really a it's a a lifestyle brand. So we have dreams of what we're going to or visions of where we're going to go. Uh, with things even beyond CBD oil and vegan food. Um, we have a number of brands for our CBD products and in Japan CBD has become more popular and you'll see other brands out there uh, but we really pioneered it and we really have spent a lot of time on making sure we have the highest quality ingredients and we do you know double testing of all our products by bat not only above the raw ingredients by batch uh, each time we do a do a do a run uh, where we manufacture in, in Edogawa. Where do you have it manufactured? Edogawa. Edogawa. Okay. Yeah, in our in our factory. So it's done there. here in Japan. Yeah, okay. all of our products are made in Japan. My goodness. And we have CBD cosmetics, and we have CBD oils, and CBD gummies, and we have uh, creams and other kinds of things, and of course our infused foods. Okay. So. CBD is a component in, in cannabis, actually, in the hemp plant, uh, which is non-psychoactive, so you don't get high from it, uh, but it is known to be an anti-inflammatory. So when you take it orally, you can kind of feel relaxed. It's, I, we liken it to when you go into an onsen, into a hot spring, and you come out and you just feel like, ah, your shoulders are relaxing, that, that relaxing feeling, that's what you get from CBD. Uh, a lot of people use it for anxiety. Uh, a lot of people use it for just overall relaxation. Sleep is a big one. Uh, we have some 
gummies formulated specifically for sleep. That's one of my favorites because I'm not the best sleeper. My mind's racing all the time. You know that is. You know that. Well, before we end, Mike, I'd yep. like to ask you. You, s you mentioned a little bit about what your forecast is for the future. Yep. Can you share some of the key points that you really want to focus on in the future? Sure. Uh, so first of all, I, I didn't mention, but we've never taken a cent of investment in our company. This is all self-funded. We borrowed some money from the bank. Again, the bank's being very supportive of us here in Japan. Um, so yeah, we're now at a point where we have the most retail shops and we're looking to expand those. We're looking to introduce more products, refine our products, and even do more production on our own. Uh, and uh, we are talking with some investors uh, on the possibilities of investing us to expand the business. Are you thinking um, to go IPO? Uh, be nice someday. That hasn't been, again. I, that's I, not a focus of yours. It's not a focus. It's you. not a focus at this time. I Could think happen. What, you, what it sounds like you're trying to do, not what, not what you're doing right now, is providing the best quality possible yes. with all of your products yeah. to make sure that is what you're known for. So Lance, as you know, in Japan, so living here all this time, so you know, I told you about the syringe stuff. I've, I've lived and breathed the quality issues in Japan and, and the quality requirements of the customers in Japan. So from the very beginning, everything we do, it's about quality. It's about transparency. You can look at our labels. You can look at our COAs, which are certificates of analysis. We have them all on our website. You can see it all. If you have a question, you can ask us. We're very open. When you come to our website, we're not some you know, backroom cannabis company. You can see David and me on the website. You know who owns the company. You know where we are. You can come talk with us. You can come talk with us in our shops. You can consult with us. Uh, and our quality, it's a very long road to do what we've been doing. So it's, you know, step by step. And sometimes you put out the wrong product or you put out the wrong thing. Uh, give them a complete refund or whatever it may be. That's something yeah, of that, course, of course. that's something, but that's Japan as a whole. But I think it becomes even more emphasized when you're not Japanese and you're doing it. I guess so, yeah. It becomes a little bit more emphasized. Well, a lot of foreign companies have trouble, they, you they know, grasping, grasping the they need for that because it costs a lot more money. And not only that, they're able to do it everywhere else in the world, right. but here. Right. Because the Japanese have conditioned their people to understand, if we don't give you what we say we're going to give you, we're not only going to give you what we said we're going to give you, but we'll apologize, we'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, that's true. To keep you as a client. Yeah. Because it's not about the product. Although, Lance, I, I would say, you know, sometimes, like, you go to a restaurant. I, I was a waiter. I talked about that before. You go to a restaurant, what you're trained when you're waiting a table. If somebody doesn't like something, get it away from them and give them their money yeah. back. Or ask them what else they'd like and give them their money back. In Japan, if you, if you don't like something, if you, if you dare to complain, because most people wouldn't, if you dare to complain, they don't know what to do, right? They leave it on the it's table and you, they're not going to refund it. It's different. It is different from that different point of view. Different that point of view. From that perspective. Right. But when it comes to delivering consistent quality to the customer, you know, they're not good on the fly in general in Japan. But when it comes to the to overall them. consistent quality of the customer, so that's what Healthy Tokyo is about. That's Consistent right. quality of the customer. And like I said, we're a lifestyle brand. So where we go from here, you know, we can go into a lot of different areas with our brands. We're, you know, trademark brands. Uh, we're well-known and uh, we're getting to be even more well-known, so. Michael, thank you. Listen, for coming on again, 
and sharing your whole story basically about what your company and stuff. And all of you that are really out there and interested in CBD or any of the other products in Healthy Tokyo, make sure you go to his website, make sure that you contact him directly if you'd like because like he said, he's available to everyone here. And Michael, I just can't thank you enough. No, thanks, thank Lance. You, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. I don't need you to answer that question about you know what you're doing. I've already done that. Yeah. Thanks, Lance. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for watching and listening. And remember, or never forget, it's all unknown. So continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>